Hey, warriors, welcome to the Untamed Life podcast, where we are breaking free from those chains of the past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time for us to ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt into a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in spiritual principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you are craving deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force, true prosperity in all arenas, and a life of adventure, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high-performance coach and spiritual mentor, and together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so that you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back. Welcome back to the conversation. It's Christine Jewell. And today I am excited about today's topic because we are diving into the conversation around prosperity, around multiplication, around abundance. I've been talking a lot lately about living from a state of overflow, overflow, where there's more than enough, right? More than enough time, more than enough love more than enough energy, more than enough financial support and resources. And this is a huge, deep, wide topic, right? Like there could be books and books and there are books and books and episodes and YouTube videos and so much to be said around prosperity, multiplication, prosperity in the word of God and in so many great texts. And today I want to share with you, you know, some of the key, like 10, maybe 10, maybe seven, 10 things you may be doing consciously or unconsciously that are literally blocking the flow for God to work in your life, for prosperity to flow in you and through you, for abundance to really not only be an idea that's cute and these memes that you put up, but and a feeling in your body and also a physical manifestation in your world, right? There's a lot of talk about feeling abundance is a feeling. Yes. And it's also a reality. Okay. So there's both. And I, you know, really struggled with this for many, many, many years of my life. I want to go back before I jump into, you know, some of the seven, 10 things that you may be doing. And there are so many I could share here, but I'm going to dive into some that are really standing out for me right now. Um, but I want to share with you guys that I do know this feeling because I remember, and I don't know if I've shared this story or not on this um, show, but when I was 17, you know, we lost, we, we had a, a beautiful home on the golf course with a pool and a great community. I was prepping to go to Florida state university. I was like ready to, you know, step out into the world and live my dream. And I had my roommate set up and I was graduating about to graduate high school. I hadn't graduated yet. So I was 17 when I graduated. And I remember the buildup to the dreaming and the excitement about stepping out into this world and moving from Orlando to Tallahassee and going and living in, you know, a residence with roommates and be able to party and play and go to football games. And, and I had all of this vision and this idea of what my life was going to look like. And I had all set up in my head. Right. And right at that time. And I remember like, my, my boyfriend's mom at the time had this huge party for me, like a pre-grad party and gave me all this stuff for my apartment. And I remember at that time that 
there was a lot of weird stuff going on with my parents. It was a time where there was a lot of contraction in my life. My dad would have, was really struggling with his alcoholism, just couldn't get a grip on his addiction. Um, there was just a lot of pressure coming on financially pressure at work. And he was in the pressure cooker. And unfortunately he ended up losing his job um, as a result of not being able to manage, not, not able to function anymore with the drinking, right? What once was a functioning alcoholic now is literally non-functioning, not able to sustain and handle all the moving pieces. And we ended up, you know, being in a situation where my father lost his job and within a few weeks, I think it was all of the severance or whatever that pay was gone. And then a few weeks later, the next thing I know, there's people coming to our house, taking furniture out of the house. You know, my mom is making, having to have agreements with the attorney to try to sell things to pay for the attorney's bills and the house is getting foreclosed on. And I remember as this furniture was exiting our house and I didn't really understand what on earth was going on. My reality just like that was shaken upside down and this world where I thought I'm good. Like everything's fine. You know, it wasn't fine. You know, we, there was a lot of sticking our head in the sand, dealing with dad's drinking and the fighting and the strife that was in our home. But financially I felt fine. And that was the first time where my financial world really got rocked. I went from having a comfortable life in a pretty decent neighborhood and a beautiful community to not having our, my primary home taken away, our furniture taken away, our source of income, the provider that I knew financially taken away. And just like that overnight, there was nothing. There was no money. There was no house. There was no resources. Um, and long story short, I ended up moving into a two bedroom apartment with my mom and my brother at the time, sharing a bed with my mom for a short while while my brother had his own room. My mom had been a stay at home mom for 20 years, not 20 years, um, maybe 15 years of marriage at that point. She had moved from a different country to the US. She had no work experience. So she ended up working on the prayer lines at the church from midnight to 6 a.m. working the night shift. My dad disappeared and he was nowhere to be found. And not only did we lose our financial stability at that time, when I was just graduating high school, about to step out into the world, my mom lost her husband. I lost my father. I lost the provider. I lost the protector. I lost the masculine figure of safety and provision. And, and all of a sudden there was nothing. And it was up to us to figure it out. And that moment was so that moment, that season was such a massive shakeup, turn me upside down, turn everything inside out. Before I knew it, I, I looked at my mom and I realized like I had this huge guilt wash over me. I could not go to school and leave my mom like that. So I was working at a restaurant. I think at the time I was waiting tables and I made the decision. I'm not going to go to Florida state. I'm going to stay home so I can help mom. So I can be close to her in this time. And, you know, as many of us children do who are children of alcoholics or addicts or where there's been trauma, you know, we, we want to, we're always worried about making sure everyone else is okay. Is mom going to be okay? Is dad going to be okay? Is my brother going to be okay? And we, these patterns started way earlier, right? 
But this was the moment where I decided, okay, like I'm going to have to take care of myself financially. I'm going to have to take care of mom or be a a big piece of this, of taking care and making sure that they're okay. And nobody's got my back. Like, it's just, it's me. And like, we were getting food from the church. Um, There was no money for anything. And it was very humbling. And it ignited a warrior spirit like me and anything else where I went out and I started hustling. And it also created a massive wound and a fear around money and losing money. Not so much making money, but losing anything in my life. It was a moment where I got angry, so much anger. There was so much strife. There was so much blaming. I just felt so hurt and victimized. And like, I was missing out on this huge thing. And I just had the rug pulled out from under me. And, and now everything that I had dreamed about and all the plans I had, I had so embarrassed and I had to like tell my friends I wasn't going and tell my roommate, I wasn't going to be her roommate. And, you know, I was looking at these laundry baskets of things that I had for my dorm and knowing that I wasn't going to be moving in there. So I did end up getting a loan and signing up to go to UCF. And I got a job at Disney, which is not a bad job. I I pivoted. I hustled. I got myself a serving job at Disney. I got myself some student loans and I committed that I was going to keep walking forward and I was going to go to university, whether or not my dad was going to be able to pay for it. And so very quickly, very early on, I, I learned that you can hustle and you can grind and you can make, you can put like, you know, the, the gas pedal down and, and make things happen for yourself. And I also learned that the pain of loss. And so that moment created a huge, you know, ripple effect of operating systems. It ingrained an operating system in me around the safety of money, the availability of protection and provision. And it created a cascade of blocks really to blessings, to overflow, to abundance in my life for many years until I was able to really become aware of what they were and how they had been running me for, for decades after that and, and begin to do some of the deep healing, some of the inner work to remove some of these blocks, these walls that come up. And so I wanted to share my story because I know I'm not alone in that story that we all have stories with money, with loss, with a disconnection from protection or provision or our father or our mother where we have felt like, you know, it wasn't safe. You know, we, we didn't have anyone to look after us and it it became scary, this relationship with money and being provided for, and we became the source. And, and so while I think that's a necessary stage of the warrior's journey, you know, we got to wake up and see what we're capable of and see that we are capable of going out into the world and making our own way and forging our path. There can also be a lot of programs ingrained at the time that if we don't keep moving forward and keep clearing up the pain of the past and learning from it, we can get stuck. We can get stuck in patterns, in relationships with money and relationships with provision in looking sideways that actually block the flow of abundance and blessings in our life. And it was probably, well, I was 17 then I'm 46 now. So that was 30 years ago. And I'll tell you that my relationship with the fear of loss 
in my life and my relationship, the fear of being able to handle and sustain and multiply money and blocking a lot of the flow. It was with me for decades, decades, um, almost three decades, right? It, it's uh, not quite, but a good two decades. And it was only in the most recent years, the last four or five years where I've really broken free and rewritten a lot of those programs. And so today I'm sharing this with you because today I have a completely new relationship with abundance and prosperity and provision and, and things, money and resources and support flowing in my life freely again, where it was almost as if a dam, a big wall had just been like built. And, and even though things were coming to me, I got rid of it as fast as I could because it didn't feel safe. So there was many years after that event where I would make a lot of money, <laughs> but I wasn't able to hold it. I would receive a lot of support, but I didn't trust it. And I would sabotage the blessing that God wanted to pour into my life. I would receive it, but I wouldn't know how. And so I would get in the way. I would sabotage it. I would get rid of it. And this looked like a lot of different things. It looked like making a lot of money and then spending, overspending a lot of money or getting rid of it. I should do a podcast episode just on this. It looked like refusing to ask for help or support, trying to do everything myself. It looked like not trusting men, my husband, um, money itself, resources that came to me. I had a lot of skeptical um, attitude around this. And so it was literally blocking the flow. And I, it wasn't until I got really frustrated with that, that I was like, what is up with these patterns? Like, why do I feel so anxious around money leaving my world? right? I was fine with money coming in. I was used to it, but when money left and it all came back to that moment when I had felt that loss, right. And, and what it meant, like what I had to give up and, you know, all the, all the stuff that was ingrained in that moment. So I want to share this with you today, because as I've gone through my own journey, I have gone through these things that I'm about to share with you. And I have, you know, continue to go through them and continue to do the inner work to ask God to reveal to me, where am I still operating in some of these things in some of these places that are blocking the flow? Like what are some of the things that I'm doing that are blocking the flow of, of your blessing, your overflow into my life so that I can continue to flow and bless into others, right? Because that's really what we are at the end of the day. We're here. The more we receive, the more we have to give, the more we are filled up, it starts to overflow from us. So I want to share a few things. I'm going to buzz through this list um, because I, I just want to like, make sure I just hit these real quick. And also let you guys know that um, this is something I'm, I'm very excited about, especially as we are talking about reclaiming, restoring, and rebuilding this year. We're talking about reclaiming everything that has been lost. And part of that reclamation is the love that's been lost, the safety that's been lost, the provision, the blessings that have been lost or cast aside or sabotage. It is our time to call this stuff back. And this is what I'm really passionate about supporting my clients in right now inside of my containers. So let's dive in. Here are some seven to 10 things. I'm going to say seven. There's going to be more. I think it's going to be 10 things that are blocking the flow of abundance, prosperity, and blessings to flow into your life. Number one, an ungrateful heart. One of the worst things that we can do that literally is like shuts the faucet right off 
is we can be in a state of grumbling, of complaining, of dissatisfaction about this current situation that we're in. An ungrateful heart, you know, it's like, can I see the goodness in where I where I'm living right now? Can I see all of the ways that God has shown up in my life, that the Spirit has shown up for you, that you know people have supported you in your life? In the moments when I didn't have anything, you know, there were so many people that stepped up and said, "Hey, I want to help you with a car. I want to help you with an um, introduction for a job opportunity." There were so many ways that God was showing up through people because that's how He shows up. Sometimes He comes through people opening doors for us if we're willing to walk through them, right? And are we seeing these divine moments, these divine opportunities, these synchronicities? Are we recognizing them? And are we also recognizing the blessings truly that we already have? If you have healthy children, if you have children, period, you have been blessed, right? You are trusted with a child, with a life. Like, are you grateful or are you grumbling, right? How much of the time, like whatever it is, if you have a vehicle, if you have a team, if you have a husband or a wife, this is one of the greatest gifts God has given you is a partner, right? And how much of your time, your energy, your focus is going towards grumbling, complaining, looking at what they're doing wrong, wishing that they were different. An ungrateful heart blocks the flow of abundance. We've got to retrain our hearts, my loves. We've got to retrain our hearts to be able to see through the eyes of our hearts instead of this constant, like seeing what's wrong. The brain, the mind has been so programmed to look at what's wrong. That's part of your primal survival brain, right? You walk into a room, you look for what's wrong. You look for the exit. You look for the the, the threat. But that is an old, outdated, you know, way of of living day in and day out. Yes, we're still wired for survival in many ways, but our level of consciousness has evolved. We live in one of the richest places, the richest times. This is like the golden era, right? And here we are grumbling, complaining, ungrateful. We are sedated. We are numbed out and we are disconnected from the beauty that's in our life. So that's number one. The second thing that goes right along with that, that is absolutely blocking the flow is envy, jealousy, a jealous heart an envious spirit that comes and takes root. And I got to raise my hand because I didn't realize how prevalent this was in my life. And it looked like, you know, it looked like looking sideways, comparing all the time to where I wasn't, right? I've always been an athlete. I've always been pushing for the next thing, pushing for the next goals, pushing for the next race in business. It was always like, what's the next revenue goal? Where are we growing? Are we building a second facility? Like what's happening, right? And you get caught up living in the gap, literally living in the gap of where you're not. You're, you're so focused on the future. You're definitely not in the present and you're living in the space in between where you actually can't create or fully experience anything. So you're literally being robbed, not only of your future experience, your present experience, right? And so we are being robbed of the riches in the moment. We are being robbed of the riches. We're being robbed in these moments. Envy is robbery. Every time it's one of the enemy tactics, hands down and, and same thing with the first one, all of these, they start out like little innocent things. There's subtleties, there's suggestions. That's how the enemy works, right? Just a little bit of a suggestion. Look at her, look at him, look at him doing that ungrateful heart. Before we know it, we entertain these, 
these uh, suggestions, right? These subtle suggestions over and over again, then they take root. Then they become more than just ideas or thoughts. They literally are like an entity that we have invited in. It's a spiritual agreement with a spirit of dissatisfaction, right? A grumbling spirit, right? An envious, a, a spirit of jealousy. So be careful because while, again, in the beginning, it can be just a floating thought or something, but the more we take root of it, the more we engage with it, the more real, the more life force it gets and the more momentum it starts to take, the deeper the roots go. So envy, where is there envy in your life? Are you jealous? You know, when we look sideways and we see what someone has, this is a divine opportunity for inspiration to take hold, right? I did a live the other day. I was sharing about how since I've handed God the keys to my business, I've had a 400% increase in revenue. And it was interesting that the people that were commenting and celebrating and sending me messages saying, that's amazing. I'm so you know happy. How do you do that? Like, can you share with me more? And there was also the opposite, which was the jealous crew, which was like, oh, must be nice. You have, you know, you have like some special things that we don't have access to. Well, it would be nice if you would do something for those of us who don't have da, 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 da. And these are the same conversations I've been having with these people for like the last 10 years, you know? And so that's a level of consciousness that now these people have made agreements with versus they are looking and comparing themselves and they are actually stuck and rooted in lack and envy, which I'm going to get to lack in a minute. But the idea that someone else has something better than you or is superior than you or has some sort of up and instead of using it as inspiration. And, you know, asking them for mentorship, for, you know, wisdom, looking at what they're doing and saying, right, I can receive that same blessing. It's a, it's to me, it's like this beautiful opportunity for me to look at someone, even this couple in, in, um, Costa Rica, we're creating this beautiful community. An old version of me would have been like, oh, this is something I want to do. And would have felt like, how am I going to make this happen? Like, I don't have the resources. I don't have this. I don't have that. And I would have been in that old energy. But today I looked at them and say, wow, if it's possible for them, I receive these blessings. I receive this consciousness. I receive the ways that they're thinking, the structures, like I receive the same blessings. And when you're open to that, man, that's how you start to receive them. The third thing here that blocks the flow is resentment unforgiveness, an unforgiving heart, it just shuts everything right down. You guys, I mean, we are forgiven. The concept of grace is what allows abundant overflow to pour into our life. Grace is what allows us to receive abundance of love, unconditional love. We can't possibly earn the amount of love, the amount of mercy, the amount of forgiveness, because we make mistakes. Like, and that's the concept of grace is that you can't possibly earn it. It's given it's bestowed. And when we are stuck in a place of unforgiveness, we are harboring deep, 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 deep resentments consciously or unconsciously. Cause again, a lot of this stuff is like below the surface. We are not even aware that we are harboring this stuff. And I could tell you, there's been so many times where I have like, thought, yeah, I forgave them. I forgave my dad. I forgave that ex-boyfriend of mine. I forgave that staff member, but there was resentment still oozing. And you know, there is when you're still telling that story from that place of like, you're still the victim or they still did you wrong, or you got screwed over, or you are holding back. 
from stepping out because you're remembering, oh, the last time I got stabbed in the back and that, that person did that to me. So we actually don't put ourselves out there and we are stuck in that place. Or we think that person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. That person doesn't deserve my grace. That person doesn't deserve it. And so what, because we are blocking them from receiving the forgiveness, we're actually blocking our own flow. I'm telling you guys, this is so powerful if you actually really get this. So resentment and unforgiveness, it literally shuts down the heart. It like locks it, throw away the key. And the heart is the gateway for things to flow into our life. Things don't flow into your life through your head, through logic. They come into your heart. Like you are filled. The heart is the magnetic space where we pour out and we receive through our heart and through our body. And it doesn't come just in in your head. So be aware that, you know, show me, reveal to me a powerful, dangerous, beautiful prayer to praise. Lord, reveal to me anywhere that I am holding, harboring resentment or unforgiveness, like bring that up to the surface and let me clear it from my atmosphere so that I can receive the blessings you have for me, right? The next one I'm going to dive into, the fourth one is actually the when then mentality. Well, when I make more money, then I'll be more generous. When he does this for me, then I'll give him a compliment. When my father finally owns the fact that he was a total jerk when I was a kid, then I will send him a loving message on father's day or whatever the thing is, right? Like when, then, when I have enough ABC, then I'll invest in myself or invest in this relationship. And I got to tell you that when we are operating in the when then mentality, we are completely misaligned with faith. We are out of faith. We are lacking, completely disconnected in faith because what we're leading by is what we can see in the material, what is presenting itself to us right now, which is always a manifestation of the past. And we are not sowing seeds now, planting seeds now based on a future harvest that we know is already coming. Faith is taking action, believing in the things that are unseen, not the things that are seen. And again, I had somebody make a comment the other day, you know, why they can't invest in themselves and why they're still in the same place that they are. And, and I was just responding saying, you know, when we take action from what we can see, what we, what's in front of us right now, and that's always where we're taking action from. We're always just repeating the past. Like, is your life still a reflection of the past? Faith means acting as if the thing has already happened that you're dreaming about, that you're hoping for, that you're believing in. It is literally, that's why they call it blind faith. Faith is blind in many, like it's because you can see and with your spiritual eyes, you know, you, you have received the vision, you know, it's on your way to you. And so you're not going to step out of faith. You're not right. And there's got to be congruency, integrity here. So if you have had a vision over your business, if you have had a vision over your children, if you have a vision over your health, if you say, okay, well, I haven't been healed yet. So I'm going to eat like crap right now until I get healed. It doesn't work that way. If you have an autoimmune disease, you have chronic inflammation, chronic back pain, whatever the thing is, and you are not, you know, moving forward now as if, if your body was healed now, how would you be feeding it? How would you be moving with it gently? Like we are always like waiting for later. And so we are not sowing seeds now, planting the seeds now for the harvest that we know is coming. And this is so true. Like this is when I look at the, 
what blocks the flow of abundance. I really, there's a twofold. I crushed this on one area and I also held back on another. The area that I crushed it in, I had, you know, years ago, 2012, when I really started investing seeds into developing myself as a leader, as a woman, investing in masterminds, coaching. And at the time, it did not make sense logically. I did not have the funds. I mean, I stretched everything. I remember at the time putting it on three different credit cards because I was like, I don't know. I like a $500 a month payment felt like so huge for me. And Today, you know, it's nothing, but it started back then me investing, planting the seeds. If I wanted to grow myself as a leader, I needed to invest as a leader, right? I, if I wanted to grow my financial future, I needed to invest, plant financial seeds. I had to be able to willingly put the thing that I was afraid of letting go of, which was money down knowing that it would multiply as I did the inner work on myself. And because it was so, so like much of a stretch for me, I did everything that those people told me to do, you know? And I know that sometimes I'm like, you know, it created a lot of chaos, but in the beginning, it really multiplied things for me. And I grew so much as a leader, right? And so this is true in relationship. If you want, and I talked about this in the last episode, so I'm not going to go down there, but we must be willing to sow now, not when then. And this, the flip side of this is the generosity piece, right? The idea that we will give when we have more money, when we are giving of our time, giving of our energy, giving of our resources, giving of our finances now, they multiply exponentially. And again, there was many, many years where we did not give a lot. It was kind of like what was left over. You know, we would donate to charities or like something around the holidays or whatever. And there was this like fear of giving or this idea that, well, we can't give right now because we have other bills. We have business expenses, da, 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 da. And it was the leftovers. And really what God has to say about giving is that it's the first thing <laughs> before your needs, actually right? As, as you receive, you give back. And it's so wild, the switch that has happened because even yesterday, Mark and I were in the car and we were talking about, I had done a, like a, done a donation in the morning myself as, as money came in, I, you know, gave a $2,000 donation to something. And at the same day, my husband went to go give a same donation to the same organization. And they actually have something going on right now where if you donate $10,000, they do this beautiful gift for you that we didn't even know about, but it's like, wow, it, it was a really crazy experience. And we weren't giving to get the experience, but we showed like, we were presented with this on the screen that as a thank you, we want to give you this, this day on the set of the chosen. And it's a $10,000 donation. And it was funny because both of us without saying anything to each other said that, that would be amazing. We're going to, we're going to be the ones that give $10,000. And it's not about going on the set of the show, but what a beautiful blessing to receive from it. But that the fact that we were both excited separately, unbeknownst to each other about giving, being able to give $10,000 from our income. And we both said it at the same time in the car. And we looked at each other and we're like, damn, we, you know, you know that we're on the same wavelength when not only are we both thinking about generously giving, but we're thinking about that amount on the same day to the same organization 
it was such a manifestation to me of like our values alignment and the leap that we've made and our level of consciousness around money and giving and investing in ourselves. And this is not like we're doing that and we can't do anything else. You know, God is really blessing us. And we are just really tapping into being obedient to where he's leading us. And I'm telling you that when you start to sow seeds where you're at with whatever you have, they start to multiply, right? So what is it that you want to increase in your life? Are you sowing seeds of that? And are you giving generously as well? The next thing I want to unpack here is that lack mentality, right? The lack mentality says that there is not enough to go around. There's just not enough to go around. There's not enough money. There's not going to be enough money. And it doesn't matter if you're in a salaried position, you run, own your own business. I mean, the idea that if you have a lack consciousness, there's a lack, high lack consciousness on this planet, but when we are tapped into it, it's almost like your body's contracting when you see yourself going to give that it's like, ee, there's not if you give now, then there won't be for later. We saw this with the toilet paper thing in the pandemic, right? Where it was like people were freaking out buying toilet paper, hoarding toilet paper because of this idea that there wasn't going to be enough toilet paper. I know that sounds like a silly example, but it was a real thing, right? People were freaking out over toilet paper. And it goes to show us that we can get in this state over the silliest things. But when we give from a place of knowing that whatever we need is always provided and so much more. And by the way, that is an exact thing that I declare and decree over my life every day. Everything I need is always provided and so much more that there is no, no place for hoarding things. And I'm not talking about not saving for the future. I'm talking about the energy of holding on to something because you're afraid that there's not going to be enough. It's the fear that is the root, that is the driver that is causing you to act, right? Not prepare, not preparation. It's a different feeling. It's a different energy in your body. And so this lack mindset also is what has caused us to abuse this planet, you know, tearing things down to try to conquer land, fighting over land, fighting over locations, fighting over territories, fighting over money where we have, you know, as a society, as, as a race, it's all of that subcurrent. I don't even know if that's a word, that current, that it's like, we have to take what's ours instead of really recognize that there is actually more than enough <laughs> land. There's just like, there's more than enough sun. There's more than enough that if we actually steward whatever piece we've been given, whatever portion we have landed on and we become stewards of it, we actually multiply it so that everyone can enjoy more beauty, more abundance, right? We take care of the land really well so that it multiplies, it bears good fruit. There's more fruit circulating in the world. I talked about this in a few episodes ago when I was coming back from Costa Rica. It's like the more we become great stewards of everything we've been given, our relationships, the, the finances we have, the home we have, the land we have, there's more available circulating in the world. The abundance actually multiplies not only for our own life, but in the world itself. So this lack, pay attention anywhere in your life right now. I pray that it would be revealed to you that anywhere in your life where you are like, e I, if I do this, then, then I won't have that's work you get to go into. Okay. The next thing I want to unpack, I'm going to go two more, and then I'm going to do a second follow-up to this is the, the being overstuffed. So what I mean by this is another thing that blocks the flow of abundance in our life is actually having 
no space in our schedule, in our home. We're actually so stuffed, so full. There's no place for God to bring anything new into your life. You want new experiences, but you're booked from the minute you wake up till you go to bed. You want more love, but you have stacked your schedule between you and your husband that there's no room for you guys to play, to explore, to have new variety in your lives, right? To have deep conversations because every time you get together, you're always talking about what's the next thing we got to go do. Well, in uh, Neil Kennedy's book, The Laws of Increase, which I love, love, love him. And I love his book. You know, he talks about the 50% rule, which is really keeping 50% of your schedule open, spaciousness. I talk a lot about spaciousness. And it has been one of the pivotal things I've done to open up the flow of abundance in my life is actually to open up my schedule where there is almost 50, uh, probably 50% or more of my schedule remains open. Again, it doesn't mean that I don't work. I work in that, but it's not scheduled back to back. There's space for God to bring something into my life, a new meeting, a new opportunity, um, a new experience, right? A surprise date with my husband There's or a, a lunch date with my daughter. There's room. So if you have no room in your life, no room in your heart, because it's so hardened and so closed and so resentful and so mistrusting but you are praying for love. There's no room for love to enter into your heart. How much space is there in your heart for the love that you seek? How much space is there in your schedule right now for the experiences, the adventure, the excitement that you're craving, right? How much room in your head is there for the calm and the peace? How much room is there in your body? Is there lightness in your body or is it heavy and burdened because it's toxic from alcohol, from drinking every night, from eating a ton of sugar, from eating highly inflammatory foods? Are you so full that there's no room for you to receive, to absorb, right? Even going back to the body thing, like for us to, to hold on to something, you've got to have space in your body so that your body can absorb and assimilate all these deep nutrients. But when you're full, of garbage and you're toxic, your body has a hard time actually receiving pure foods. So interesting when I had the studio and we would start to get people drinking water a lot in the beginning, right? Some people would receive the water and their body would absorb it. And it was usually those people that had a good protocol already. They were relatively clean. Their body could absorb the hydration. There's a lot of people who came in very toxic that actually got nauseous with the water and it was running right through them. And they were having a really hard time in the beginning because their body was like rejecting this pure, abundant source of life because it was so used to a toxic environment. And this is really important. I hope that you guys get this. This is about, this is why when I talk about health, when I talk about cleaning the vessel, like really making our bodies a priority. It's about really creating this space in our bodies for more light, for more energy, for even more strength, for even more capacity. And if you don't have space for it, abundance, prosperity can't flow to you or through you. The last thing I'm going to tap into here I'm thinking about what I want to say because there's so many, but I'm going to say this one. 
Another thing that's really blocking the flow for people right now, the abundance and the blessings is this being stuck in the same environments, the same job, the same position, going to the same places for date night, having the same conversations, physically living in the same town, staying in the same circle of friends. We are the sum of the five people we hang out with the most. We know this. We are products of our environment. We know this. I love that when God called Abraham and he, he showed him the vision in the sky of all his descendants. And he said, you know, you will have a promised land. You will have generations. You will have, sorry, you will have so much blessing through your generation, through your sons, through your daughters. And he was like so old. He was like not even having a child yet. He had one child through his maidservant. You know, his wife was in her nineties. And he was like, I'm, how am I going to have these kids? Right? Like I'm old. And he, he got the vision and God made him a promise. And he also told Abraham that he had to move into the promised land before he could receive the promise where he got his son who became the father of many, many nations. And Abraham was the son of many nations where he was given his son, Isaac. He had to leave his home. We had to leave the familiar place. And it wasn't about going somewhere else. It was also about leaving his old identity, leaving the familiar behind. And I could tell you this, I'm going to wrap up where I started is that I'm here right now. I'm back in Burlington, Ontario, and I love it here. It's beautiful. You know, there's beautiful places. I love the lake. I'm going to go down for a walk by the lake. At the same time, when we are in the same places, it's so easy to get stuck in the same old identity. The same old patterns of how we used to do things, how we used to think, the circles we used to walk in. And so there's a gift in the beauty of comfort and feeling really safe. And there's also a challenge in the fact that are you getting stuck in a fixed rut? For me, one of the most powerful things, and I thank God that he gave me such a high need for variety, has been travel, traveling the world, being exposed to many, many different cultures, connecting with people from all different types of faith walks and religious views and cultural views. And I love the, you know, I love the native stuff. I love the tribal things. I love the European culture. I love, you know, just to travel the world and speak to people and get inside their heads and see how they live and see how they think and moving has opened my eyes to what else is possible. It's immersed me in new potentials, new possibilities, new ways of thinking, new identity. And so what are the familiar environments where you're just kind of going through the motions, playing the same role day in and day out, having the same conversations with the friends, maybe even eating the, like everything We've got to shake up our environments. We've got to go into the unknown places, into the uncharted territory. Thing that blocks the flow is us wanting to be safe and comfortable and, you know, just cozy and know what's coming up, that need for certainty and control. It's also the very things that blocks us because God moves in the unknown. Abundance really begins to flow in the unknown on a whole other level. And so one of the keys to the initiation is embracing the unknown, stepping through that closet. You know, that scene in Narnia where Lucy is like, the kids are on one side of the closet and they know that once they walk through, there's a whole other land out there on the other side, right? It's like, poof, your eyes blow open. I'm actually giving, sharing that story in my book that I'm writing. 
And once you step foot in that unknown, nothing there is like it used to be. It's all different. And I just love this space because it brings us back into the childlike wonder, the awe. If we can drop into that spirit of adventure, we can move with that childlike wonder and that awe and move forward because it requires so much faith to operate in that place and so much trust and so much just allowing ourselves to receive the experience rather than having to know exactly where we're going and needing to control every step where we miss the mystery and the beauty and the richness of the adventure. And so I just want to leave you guys with this today is that, you know, I really know that I know that I know that God has given us this like amazing world to play in. There are so many riches already like laying around your feet, laying in your atmosphere, like circulating around you opportunities. I, I, I could go on and list like 20 more things right now. I'm inspired to create a course around this. Actually, you want to create a course around abundance and overflow, but what blocks the flow is us staying in the familiar needing to know every step, repeating the same identity day in and day out. We've got to leave and move into the uncharted territory. We've got to lean in to the discomfort, lean into the adventure, embrace that spirit of adventure and put on that childlike wonder so that you can really begin to play and explore and without making something right or wrong or being attached to all these expectations. So I'm curious for you guys out of these 10 or seven that we talked about today, which one really is hitting home for you? Which one's really hitting home for you? I would love if this, if this podcast resonated with you to drop it into social media, either on Instagram or Facebook, share this, tag me, share it and put down that one takeaway from today that you're committed to leveling up and like really diffusing this barrier to abundance in your life. I mean, can you imagine if you just dissolve one of these areas let alone all seven, like the floodgates start opening my friends. And there's like 20 more that I could rattle off right now. I'm really holding myself back because I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, boy, I've been on this for a long time. I want to hear from you guys. Connect with me at the christinejewel.com. I'd love, love, love to see your reviews on iTunes. Make sure that you are following, share this with a friend. And I just want to tell you that, you know, you are created for so much more. But it starts, it starts wherever you are today, wherever God has planted you in your communities, in your family, as a mother, as a father, like, are you being an amazing steward of where he's given you with a grateful heart, with an open heart, creating space in your schedule, in your atmosphere for more to flow into your life? We can be radically grateful where we are while also being excited and preparing for what's coming. You have the potential and the capacity to hold space for more if that's what you want. And when I say more, I'm not talking about like just more, more, more from an insatiable place, but from a depth, a richness of a full life where you're not afraid of death. You're not afraid of running out of time. You're not afraid of running out of money because you're living fully every day. And to me, that is really the meaning of abundance and richness and wealth is that I have such a full life. I am fully satiated, fully satisfied. And it is, I'm excited about where I'm going. I'm not done yet. I got lots more to do to experience. And also every day I'm going to experience it fully and I'm going to stay open and I'm going to let God pour more into my life. And to me, this is a beautiful place, beautiful place to live. 
So I'm going to leave you with that. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today for the conversation. I want to invite you, if this is the work that you want to do, really going deeper, that you check out the links below. There's a couple private mentorship opportunities opening up. I have one opening for couples in my VIP coaching experience. I do this work with couples. So if you guys are ready to rise as powerful co-creators and unlock the floodgates into your marriage, into your shared vision, I mean, it starts by investing in yourselves and in your relationship because it is rocket fuel when you do this. So make sure you check out the links below if you'd like to learn more about my couples VIP or my private mentorship. Lots of ways that we can connect. Until next time, here's to loving fiercely, leading courageously in the untamed life. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me in today's episode. It is my intention to bring you valuable, heart-shifting content every time that will upgrade your life. If you're a new listener, make sure you follow the podcast so you can stay up to date as future episodes roll out. And I invite you to head on over and join my free community, Warriors of the Heart on Facebook. In there, you'll find bonus trainings, a game-changing assessment tool, and exclusive member-only offers. Until next time, Warriors. Here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously in the untamed life, the only life worth living.